1: Wrapping up on Take Command, we welcome in the guru of clock management. He's also the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show, six to nine, each and every weekday on the Team 980 and the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. It is Kevin Sheehan. Kevin, thanks for coming on, man.
0: So, we weren't just recording that whole conversation that we just had. I mean,
1: we were, if you want us to use some of that analysis. I thought we we were doing it. Yeah, I mean,
2: Um, it was great stuff. Management discussion.
1: Yeah, well, that, you know, that felt pretty we
2: good actually. Can we just use that? That was good insight by Kevin. Yeah, I mean, I can go right now.
1: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll <laughs> we'll clean some of that up, and we'll uh, we'll throw it as as bonus material at the end of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, all right. So here's here's the original reason we wanted to have you on though, which is there were some interesting decisions made by Ron Rivera in this game. Uh, let's start with the first two point conversion, and you can kind of walk us through the decisions from there. You know, to go for it twice, to not go for it on the one that Sly ultimately misses on the PAT. What did you make of, of how Rivera managed that fourth quarter in a comeback attempt that ultimately falls short?
0: Well, if you're talking about the first one at 22-7, to they went for two to make it 22-15. Right. Um, you know, you're chasing a little bit early there. It's still the third quarter. I, I, I don't really think you should think about it, especially in a, in a game in which there are going to be many possessions left and many scoring types left. I don't think you should chase it then, but context is everything. And if you feel like you've got really good two-point plays and you're in a good situation, I mean, it's a feel thing. I think that the biggest thing with all of these analytical uh, decisions and, and conversations is that there's context. It's information, but there's game context. Um, the 29-15 when they scored, the analytics people will tell you that you know if you get down to the last few possessions of a game. And maybe you only have two or three possessions left and you're looking at two touchdowns, not a combination of touchdowns and field goals and and different possibilities, but two touchdowns that you go for two on that first score. And the idea here, first of all, the assumptions are that the two-point play is a 50-50 play, which, by the way, is not necessarily an accurate assumption with a lot of teams. I think most teams are less than 50-50 on two-point conversions. Um, And then two, that overtime is a 50-50 probability if you get there, which isn't necessarily true either. But if you go with those assumptions, the math works. You know, you go for two on the first one to try to get to 29-23, and you go for and then that gives you an opportunity to go for the win with a kick on the second score. If you miss on the first score, well, then in a 50-50 two-point, you know, assumption, you'll make the two-pointer on the second one. You go to overtime anyway, and you avoid overtime. So it is, you know, the math works if 50-50 is the right assumption on the two-point conversion, and 50-50 is the true probability of overtime. However, You know, context matters so much. Like, I think the whole overtime thing, if you've scored two touchdowns in the last six minutes of a game and it's gone from 31-17 and you've kicked on both of them to 31-31, you, by definition, have the other team on the ropes a little bit. And maybe you've got the advantage heading into overtime. So maybe it isn't 50-50. I like the whole idea of extending the game but context matters. And, you know, the truth is that 29-15, when they scored, they really were on a roll offensively. Yeah. You know, they'd already made one two-point two conversion. And Ron's going to go with the analytics. And in that particular spot, you know, it wasn't – like, think about a game in which, let's just say, it's 14 nothing, bad weather, and you score uh, for the first time in the fourth quarter, and you've got 112 yards of total offense – and your short yardage offense on a condensed field has been awful, you better kick, you know, because the context would say your chances of making the two-point conversion aren't very good. But in that particular case, they'd scored two touchdowns with the interception in between. By the way, they were moving the football when he missed Logan uh, on the seam route and and overthrew him. And, you know, the analytics, if you assume 50-50 on the two-point and the 50-50 probability in overtime, It works. And right there, they had some, you know, offensive advantage, I think. So I didn't have a major problem with it. None of this started until three or four years ago, maybe five years ago. The whole down 14 score, go for the two on that first score. Nobody even thought of it until four or five years ago.
1: So this, Logan, I'll direct this question to you, because I think the biggest piece of context here is that they'd already gone for two and used what, I would guess is their best two point play. Like how many plays do you even have going into a game that you feel good about if in two point situations or short yardage, you know, your, your second and goal from the two, like how many of those plays do you even have if you're an OC on your sheet to start with? I
2: think it's coordinator dependent, obviously, but like in my experience, like usually you have three, uh, two or three, depending on like, cause you don't expect to be in that situation too much. And a lot of times people feel like they can recycle previously played just by putting in a different formation and um you know they have like the one play with multiple formations attached to it just in case they have to reuse it so i kind of thought maybe they'd go back to the one they ran the first time and then put a little just tweak in terms of alignment and who was running what route um but you know like that is a, that is a, that is a concern i think because you don't it's not something you want a ton of you don't carry a ton of those plays you might you maybe could throw in like a like a plus five kind of short area red zone play in there but, um, yeah, it is interesting because they've they use their best one, and then how many more do you have? One more, and usually that one's not quite as good as the first one, that's why it's the second one on your sheet. So, uh, de- definitely something to consider, I think, in terms of going for two twice. But, um, you know, maybe maybe Scott carries 10. I don't know, I've never worked with Scott like that, but it seems unlikely. <laughs> I
0: like the first one,
2: I yeah, love the first one,
0: of, like, I'm more of a basketball guy, and it was more of like slipping a you know. A yeah. pick, you know, and, and and faking the pick and going right to the hoop. And yeah. Dotson did a really good job of selling it. By the way, the um you know, you also don't count on when you go for two the first time based on, you know, the analytics. You don't count on if you miss your kicker missing Um, Uh, an extra point down 15 on your next score. Sure. Uh, And this
1: is why we're talking about this as kind of an afterthought. And and I want to broaden out to a larger picture in a moment, as opposed to like this being the talking point of like, oh my God, Joey Sly costs the commanders the game at that point, like the deed was done.
0: Well, I mean, I don't, look maybe 2 or 3 years ago i would have said what are they what are they doing but i'm much more open to some of that stuff and the math does work if you assume 50-50 on both of those things if it's less than 50-50 on a two-point conversion you know it it doesn't necessarily work because there's right. no you know um you know you're talking about and by the way they're independent events you know uh, mm. all of them so it's like if it's 48.6% the first time it's 48.6% the second time too but anyway right. beyond that um the, the problem with Joey Sly missing that extra point is if he made it, they could have kicked off. They had three timeouts left. Mm. They didn't need to, to try what turned out to be one of the worst onside. <laughs> it was like In a while. I mean, awesome. it was so feeble. It barely traveled three and a half yards.
1: Yeah, I don't know why uh, Detroit even bothered to touch it. Just like let it sit there. I know. Yeah, um, it it's have. stupid, but yeah, yeah. they did. And then ultimately, commanders never get the ball back. Um, my bigger issue, though, in, in terms of the time management and decision making on Sunday, was how long that drive took to get to the onside kick. Like they ultimately score on it, but they took forever. I think they got the ball back with like 6:43 left in the game, yeah. and and then they and part of that is like the last 90 seconds, two minutes, are them running the ball in the red zone and not taking timeouts. Like, what did you make of how they ultimately try to complete that comeback? Uh, and, and the point at which it stalls because of the time management on that drive.
0: You know, that's a good point. I, I think at 36 to 21, I just kind of considered it to be over. <laughs> I mean, and there were so many good one clock games on Sunday. Um, and uh, I think I was like flipping back and forth. I just thought it was over. They could not stop them to save their lives. But of course, down 15, you still have a chance. But yeah, that drive took a while. The, the, I thought the funny thing was that there were people out there saying that these were like, you know, soft yards and soft points and they just weren't in the second half. Detroit was aggressive in the second half. I mean, they never went to a three man rush. I mean, hell they blitzed on the final play of the game, that fourth and four, which was the only sack of the second half. On that drive though, it looked a little bit more conservative. Maybe, you know, they weren't nearly as as aggressive on that one drive 36 21 as, as the clock's winding down to the, you know, towards the three- and two-minute mark. But um, I don't know. I You know, here we are, and, God, we just obsess so much, which is great for us after these games. But I think the reactions now in this day and age, for whatever reason, are so severe. And if you told me 12 days ago they're going to be one and one and offensively they're going to look the way they've looked at times, I would tell you, you know, there's a season to be had here. I don't know if it's, you know, Nine wins or 10 wins or 11 wins, but they're going to be a competitive, you know, team. They just got to figure out defensively how not to get torched, especially on the ground. I'm really worried. I don't know how much you guys have talked about that, but this, but, you you know, you say Philadelphia is a good matchup. They've been run on two straight weeks. They're giving up seven and a half yards. You take the quarterbacks out of the equation, and it's basically eight and a half yards per carry. They got Philly. They got Dallas. Then they got Tennessee, another dual threat with Derrick Henry. You've got Dalvin Cook on the schedule. You've got Jonathan Taylor on the schedule. You've got Cleveland on the schedule. You've got San Francisco on the schedule. They better figure out how to stop the run, or it's going to be the offense isn't going to touch it enough. And when they do, there's going to be huge pressure you know every week to make every drive count and i don't you can't live that way
2: i mean i, t- I totally agree i mean i totally agree I th- I, the reason i said this matchup kind of kind of is more favorable is because the run schemes aren't as nuanced or complicated sure. and they're not quite as downhill so do i think Philly's going to run the ball yeah i do is, are they going to run for eight yards a pop without jalen hurts i'm i'm dubious of that i think you're going to be i think there is a world where John, Payne, all those guys inside can win those one-on-ones and be a little bit more disruptive than, um, than uh, you know, because I think if you look at Detroit, that's a great example. Like Detroit, um, outside of Hurts, like I think they average like two yards a carry. You know, Philadelphia I'm talking about, like something crazy like that. So as a pure running team, they're not what they were last year. It's like really Hurts-driven. So finding a way to kind of manage that is kind of where where I'm at with the Philadelphia Eagles game this week.
1: Yeah. Uh, we'll obviously preview it fully on Friday. Uh, actually, just was emailing back and forth. One of the hosts of uh, our sister podcast, Go Birds, uh, the Odyssey Sports Philadelphia podcast, is going to join us. Uh, so we'll have Elliot Shore Parks on Friday. Uh, full preview then. Uh, Sheehan appreciate your time, sir. I'll talk to you later this week on All the guys, radio. And uh, hit hit them straight. Hit them straight.
0: I'm just hitting balls today, boys.
1: You should still hit them straight.
0: <laughs> Loosen up. See you, boys.
1: <laughs> see you. <ya. Thanks. laughs>